Our scripture reading this morning is Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah chapter 15. We'll begin reading from verse 10 instead of verse 16. Hear now the very words of Almighty God. Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. The Lord said, Have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Can one break iron, iron from the north and bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil without price for all your sins throughout all your territory. I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me. And take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. May God bless the reading of his inspired and most holy words as we consider them in this sermon this morning. A sermon titled, What is Precious?, Yesterday, as I was meditating on this passage, I, I completely changed the, the uh, structure of my sermon. And this is the new outline that you don't have in your bulletin. What is precious in the sight of God is worthless in the eyes of the world. Those who discover what is precious will, one, rejoice in God, not in the world, 
And two, those who discover what is precious will or are ashamed of the world, not ashamed of the Lord. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Famous words of our Lord Jesus Christ describing the moral spiritual darkness at the end of the age we're living in. Noah preached righteousness at the end of that age he lived in for possibly 120 years. How many listened to Noah? How many valued the word of God that he preached as precious, precious? And they turned from sin to seek salvation in that ark. Noah's word was precious. It was the only hope of the world. Children, how many people were saved from the flood by Noah's preaching? You can count them on your hands, right? 2 Peter 2, verse 5 says, He saved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. His own family only listened. How many of us long today for seven others, or five, or even two, to flee with us to Christ? Noah kept preaching, not bearing any fruit from the world, Day after day, year after year, no one turned from sin. No one was saved. Was he mocked and slandered and threatened with murder like the street preachers that stand in front of the abortion clinic, pleading with women not to sacrifice their babies to the cruel instruments of death on the altar of freedom from raising kids? Noah preached thousands of messages to a world that mocked him and scorned him and hated God. He preached not because they came to Christ, not because they were willing to listen, but because it was God's will. The Lord Jesus and the apostles proclaimed in the streets a very precious gospel of salvation. They sealed their testimony with their blood. But God's power came with that preaching. Many fled to Christ for refuge. In the 16th century, William Farrell and his friends preached in the streets. Often beaten, arrested, run out of town, their enemies plotted their death, shot pistols at them, tried to poison them. But they ran boldly into battle with the sword of the Spirit, the precious sword, the Word of God until their preaching brought reformation to Geneva and many other cities and multitudes that were blinded by the false doctrines of the state church, finally saw that pearl of greatest value. And they entered into glory. But how many listen in the streets today? This wicked and perverse generation is more like the days of Noah. When the world mocked God and no one, not one person came after and followed the preacher of righteousness. In the nation of Judah, Jeremiah's time was like the days of Noah. We don't know the words Noah preached, warning his generation to flee from the wrath that is coming. 
but we have plenty of the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, like Noah, preached in the streets. He preached in the streets because he didn't have a congregation to preach to. He didn't have a church building. He preached when wrath and destruction were certain and Jeremiah had to preach even though they beat him, arrested him, imprisoned him, persecuted him, tried to kill him, all that. And no one listened. Not very many at least. God called Jeremiah in his youth. Jeremiah 2 verse 8 tells us that the prophets of that time prophesied by Baal and went after things that did not profit. So God chose a youth, not yet corrupted by the wickedness of that older generation. God commanded him in chapter 1, 7 and 8, To whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Immediately God began to give judgments to the young prophet. Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I'm calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come. And everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls, all around it, against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. Imagine a mere child proclaiming these judgments of God at such a time when the whole nation had thrown the knowledge of God away as mere rubbish. Jeremiah 2.19 tells us they had rejected God. Chapter 2, verse 8, those who handle the law did not know me. Why was God not accessible? Was it a land of thick darkness where he could not be found? Chapter 2, verse 31, God's people said to Jehovah, We are free. We will come no more to you. Verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1 says that they traded away the glory of Israel for gods that are no gods at all. Not just a few false gods like Baal and Ashtaroth, but they pursued every false god that they could hear of, that they learned of, so that Chapter 2, verse 28. They had as many gods as they had cities in Judah. Chapter 5. God commands Jeremiah, Run to and fro throughout the streets of Jerusalem. Search. See if you can find a man, one man, who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. See how he starts chapter 15? The Lord said to me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn toward this people. Send them out of my sight and let them go. God can be pushed to his limit. Both poor and great in Jeremiah's time did not know God's ways, he said. Verses 4 and 5, they had all alike broken his yoke from them. All the men of Judah were trooping to the houses of whores, verse 8 and 9. 
like well-fed, lusty stallions, each neighing for his neighbor's wife. So God says in chapter 6, verse 12, I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land for, verse 13, from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from the prophet to the priest, everyone deals falsely. We seem to be heading in such a time today. In chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, the young prophet calls out vainly to the people, Stand by the roads. Look. Ask for the ancient paths. That's where the good way is. Walk in it. And you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Jeremiah had found what is precious. He found rest. He found rest for his soul. And he sought to share it with his generation. But like this generation, they were so obsessed with pursuing worthless things things they could not keep to see that Jeremiah was pointing them to a precious treasure that they could never lose. What is precious in the sight of God is worthless in the eyes of the world. But those who discover what is precious will rejoice in God, not in the world. They will rejoice in God. Jeremiah 1 verse 3 says, The word of the Lord came to young Jeremiah in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah the king. Josiah was now 21 years old, and Jeremiah was only a youth. For the next five years, Jeremiah may have received the frightening prophecies of the first 14 chapters of the book of Jeremiah. But there was a problem. In the prophecies, God revealed that the people had forsaken his law given through Moses, but They didn't have all the law. Some or all the books written by Moses disappeared in the time of Manasseh, the grandfather of Josiah. Manasseh was very evil. He turned the whole nation away from Jehovah, the God of his father, King Hezekiah. After Hezekiah died, Manasseh persecuted those faithful to Jehovah. He he killed the prophet Isaiah. He put idols inside the temple of God. He sacrificed his own son to those idols. The nation plunged into darkness. The law of Moses, the written covenant God made with Israel, went missing. Manasseh later repented of his sins, but he could never turn the people back from the wickedness he had taught them. The example and the things we do, parents. Before our children. Nor did they find the law of God. People went on serving idols until the next king, Amon, son of Manasseh, also died. And Josiah, Manasseh's grandson, was placed on the throne. You know the saying, sin comes of age. Josiah became king as a child, eight years old. 
He tried to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed him with all of his heart, the Scripture says, while most of the elders of Judah were corrupt and worthless. But Josiah could not fully restore the proper worship of God. Then Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, a mere child himself, because all the prophets of the land prophesied by Baal and spoke foolishness. They had no wisdom at all. Surely, like the wicked administrators and teachers and counselors, are plotting today in schools, in the movies, on the internet, in social apps, that wicked and adulterous generation schemed to corrupt and pervert the young king and the young prophet. But God was with Jeremiah to deliver him, he said. He's with you also. The same God is with you today if you belong to him trusting in Christ. He is with you, believing parents, as you face the schemes that the devil is plotting against your family. Trust in God. Do your best. Teach God's morals to your children. Lead them to the power of the gospel of Christ. That power is as great to save sinners today as it ever was. Jeremiah stood firmly with his God in such faith as you will stand. But the prophecies of Jeremiah condemning the nation for throwing God's law behind their backs lacked something in that day. Where was the complete law of God? Until the 18th year of Josiah's reign when the high priest Hilkiah discovered it hidden in the treasury of the Lord's house. When King Josiah heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes in great fear, saying, Great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. The king sent and gathered all the elders and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, both small and great, and he read, he himself read, in their hearing, all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. 2 Kings 23, verse 3 says that the king stood by the pillar and he made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. We need such leaders today who will commit themselves to follow the words of God with all their heart, with all their soul, come what may. In past ages, church leaders called for prayer meetings. All the people fasted and prayed on their faces, calling out to God, confessing all their sins of indifference and worldliness and hedonism and materialism and all the other things that today make the churches lax in spreading the gospel and in serving Christ and their church and their nation. 
especially maybe their families. The people of God received the word with faith as the word was read by the young King Josiah. The young prophet Jeremiah was there also, perhaps sitting with his father, a priest, close, listening. Jeremiah listened very carefully that day. Listen to his reaction in verse 16. Your words were found. Your words were found. And I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. So many judgments against Judah given to Jeremiah because they had forsaken the law and the covenant of God. Jeremiah's heart was fully with God. He mourned that the nation had forsaken the true God and his law for worthless idols. He cries in Jeremiah 9, 1 and 2, Oh, that my head were waters, my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go away from them, for they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. It was not so much their sexual adultery, evil enough in itself, but their spiritual adultery and abandoning God and running after many other lovers so that the whole land was full of cursed idols. And now the prophet Jeremiah had heard with his ears and his heart the law of Moses read by the king Josiah. Jeremiah heard the story of God's mighty power delivering them from Egypt with great plagues, saving them in the wilderness with bread from heaven, water from a dry rock. He heard how the word of God came down on Mount Sinai in fire, shaking the whole earth with lightning and thunder, giving them the Ten Commands, the covenant of God. He listened to the word of the giving of God's covenant at Mount Sinai, where Jehovah became their king and they became his kingdom the covenant in which he had sworn an oath to them and entered into a covenant with them. And he became their God and they his holy people. He became their husband and they swore the oath of the covenant that they would be his faithful bride and love him forever. He heard the greatest commandment that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and that the words of this law shall be upon your heart. And as Jeremiah listened in wonder to all the pure moral commandments of God, he understood the words of the great king and prophet David who wrote, Oh, how I love your law! How I love your law! It's more precious to me than gold! Yes, than fine gold. Because it is a reflection of God's character. Jeremiah wrote, Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Perhaps he spoke of all that God promised to those who listen. Righteousness and life and blessings of the sky above and the earth beneath and the fruit of the womb and the the fruit of the land. And that God would exalt his people above above all the nations of the earth to be the head and not the tail. 
And he loved the words of God's book because he loved the God who spoke those words from his heart. That was the God who called him. The God who said, before you were in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So Jeremiah said to the Lord, your words, your words are the delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Jehovah, God of hosts. Jeremiah's name in Hebrew seems to mean something like what Jehovah appoints, Jehovah establishes. And now Jeremiah heard all the curses of God's covenant. The curses God fulfills against all who turn from the true God to false gods, from His holy commandments, turning to do all that is evil and perverse and wicked in God's sight. Jeremiah loved even those words. For he saw that God had been patient and waited a long time. But now the people were persecuting Jeremiah the prophet because he was warning them to turn back to God and flee from the wrath that God was bringing upon them. And Jeremiah believed God that the judgment was coming. And Jeremiah rejoiced in the God of his salvation. The God who was watching over his word to fulfill it. It's the first thing God said to Jeremiah after he called him. I'm watching over my word. You are my prophet. I'm watching over my word to fulfill it, Jeremiah. Brothers and sisters, as you see events moving faster than you can take it all in today, have you found God's words like Jeremiah did in such a day? Are God's words your bread that give you life and fill your soul with delight no matter where the world is going? Through these words, Anxiety about the present is replaced by hope in the future. Fear of things that are seen fades away in the bright light of promised things yet unseen. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith in the promises of God, which will all be fulfilled because He's watching over His Word to fulfill it. Not mere sight of things that disturb us, things that we cannot ever fully understand. Because who has known the mind of the Lord? Who can see how the sovereign God is working through all these things for the good, turning them to the good of those who love Him, to conform them to the likeness of His Son, who was perfected through sufferings. But why the likeness of His Son? Paul says, do you not know that we shall judge angels? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Why did God put Job through such trials? What was he preparing him for, anyway? Just to have children again in this world? Jeremiah lived in a dreadful time with the sword of God's wrath coming against the whole land. He saw that everything would soon be destroyed. Nothing remaining. 
But God's words were found, and he ate them like manna from heaven. And God's words became the joy and delight of his heart at that time, both in the book of the law and in the word Jeremiah was receiving daily from God as a prophet. He also saw a future and a hope for all who believe. Have you found that joy, believer? Are you resting in that joy? Secondly, let us consider that those who discover what is precious are ashamed of the world, not the Lord. In all fairness, even while Jeremiah rejoiced in God's word, he was just an ordinary person with a nature like ours. At times he wept over his people. At other times he called for their judgment. He was lonely. He longed for friendship. Sometimes he felt he could not go on another day. Finally, he did give up, and he quit serving the Lord. He says in chapter 15, verse 17, I did not sit in the company of revelers, that is, in, in the original, means something like the assembly of jokers. A lot of jokers mocking God today. Nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation, a word that actually is cursing. He had filled Jeremiah with the cursing of the people, the cursing of the nation. Why, he says, is my pain unceasing? Why is my wound incurable? Refusing to be healed. Will you, God, be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that just fail? Because Jeremiah knew the holy God and he knew the law of holiness. He understood that he must be holy himself. He teaches us some principles found in Paul's letters. He shows us that they didn't start with the apostle. First is the principle of separation from so-called believers or from people of God. They were saying, we are the people of God. This is the temple of God. We are the people of God. We're the holy people. But those who go on indulging in sin... As people of God without fear of God, Paul writes of it in 1 Corinthians 5.11, I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Jeremiah's entire nation consisted of so-called believers who were not repenting, not turning from these sins to seek God's mercy. So he did not sit with them or rejoice in their jokes and pleasures. I sat alone, he says, because God's hand was on him and his curse of those people filled Jeremiah's heart. But instead of feeling that God was with him, Jeremiah found his pain in that time he was facing and the people he was among unceasing, his wound incurable. The promises that God would deliver him, protect him, save him, seemed like a deceitful deceitful brook. A deceitful brook. He hoped for refreshment in life. 
but he felt parched and dead. Have you ever felt like that in these times? You followed the Lord and believed his word with confidence that he would work all things out. And where did it get you? For some, maybe your health is failing. For others, the money's not enough now. Or the relationship with your spouse is a wreck. Or, uh, or the children you taught so carefully and prayed for over years have gone astray into the world. You can't balance the budget to keep your kids in the Christian school. Your car's falling apart. The new job is not working out. And on top of all that, everything in America is going mad like the whole world has lost their mind. Jeremiah calls out in chapter 15, verse 10, Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I've not lent nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. The Lord said, have I not set you free for their good? The word of God was Jeremiah's joy, but it was not the delight of the king or his counselors or the people. Judgment after judgment for all their sins and forsaking the God of their fathers. In chapters 3 and 4, Jeremiah calls Israel and Judah to repent and turn to the Lord. There's no repentance. So God's revelations, warning of impending destruction from Babylon become more intense. And God starts telling Jeremiah in the chapters that follow, do not pray for this people. I will not hear your prayers. He says it again in another chapter, do not pray for this people. He says it again in another chapter. We don't know where we are in America today. Persecution and affliction have driven many a a soul from the Savior's bosom. And Jeremiah says in verse 15, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me. Maybe meaning that he's incarcerated, maybe he's in prison. Take vengeance for my sake on my persecutors. How many young people today could not stand up to the pressure Satan is raising against their faith in Christ? The Lord Jesus' name is the favorite curse word. And those who believe the Scriptures are the laughing stock of college campuses, social networks, cancel culture, and class classroom textbooks even. Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me. A believer who struggles to face the peer group every day says, you don't understand what it's like. Yes, we are often insensitive. But Jeremiah says, Lord, you know. You know, Lord. That's why he let Jeremiah, a young man, go through all of this. And write in his book words that we would read because the Lord does understand what you are going through. He does understand. He knows that many who become ashamed of him will fail in our time. The Lord is the one who guided Jeremiah to write these words about God. Will you be to me a deceitful brook like waters that fail? He knew Jeremiah would break under pressure with his entire society against him for speaking God's words, for believing these 
foolish words. And he knew that many young people today would give up and rather hide their faith and stand for the Lord and for his moral values and his truth before a mocking and unrelenting and unforgiving world. When we decide not to stand with Christ, we start going backward, trying to hide even more who we are, Christian, what we are, until eventually nothing is left because Satan will keep dismantling everything. He takes our broken spirit into the great company of captured, defeated Christians who are useless to fight the battles of the Lord. So the Lord warns us, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this wicked and adulterous generation, I will be ashamed of him when I come in the glory of my Father and his angels. Do you realize that's exactly what this struggle comes down to? Satan at work in all the sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3, employs every, every clever screen, scheme to shame our, our following, our agreement with the right moral values of God. To publicly shame us. Jeremiah knew God was right, even though everyone in the society around him said he was wrong. And that, he's a fo- that Jeremiah was a fool, They would kill him if he continues. So he says in verse 15b, in your forbearance, maybe sitting in prison, in your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Moses, when he was a prince in Pharaoh's palace, considered that the reproach of Christ, the reproach that comes against those who follow Christ is greater than all the treasures of Egypt. And he left the palace to go out to his brethren and see how they were doing. Jeremiah, in verse 15, says, O Lord, you know, even though he turned from God and gave up, he knows that God knows that he really wants to be faithful, just like you. But the pressure is just too much. The opposition, the mockery, the pain people cause is just too much. So Jeremiah appeals to God's forbearance, his patience with those who trust in him. Today, repenting over our fears and failures, we could remind the Lord of his words in 2 Timothy 2, 11-13. The saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Those who believe have died with Christ on the cross and have been raised by his Spirit in Christ's resurrection from the dead. He promises that if we endure as believers through anything the world does to us for following Christ, we shall also reign with him. That's what the perseverance of Job was about. We cannot deny him just so that we may escape this world's persecution. But sometimes when the pressure is so bad, the pain so unbearable, the wound so uncurable, We might be faithless for a time. 
like Jeremiah was for a season. But the Lord remains faithful, he says. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Yes, Lord, you know, yes, you know that for your sake I bear this reproach of the world. What is precious to you, believer? Many today are more ashamed of Christ and his words than they are ashamed of children being groomed by pedophiles in drag queen story hour. Many Christians are more ashamed of God's commandments, you shall not take human life, than they are that babies are being killed just so that parents don't have to face the inconvenience of raising them. We're ashamed of God's commandments today when we should be ashamed of the world. We have to think carefully of what is truly precious or the world will rob us of all that God would give to us. The Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for your sins. Or the peer group that drives you into sin to separate you from him. What will you choose when you can say, you can gain the whole world, but I must have Jesus. I must have Jesus. Then you finally know what is precious, more precious than all the silver and gold and all the recognition and all the acceptance with friends in this world who don't love him. Praise God if he grants us to come to our senses and understand this. When Jeremiah saw clearly in his great pain and darkness what is most precious, his Savior, what has eternal value, those mocking him no longer kept him from following the Lord. So the Lord said to him in chapter 15, 19 through 21, if you return... If you return to me, he meant, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious, and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. It's important to see that it's the Lord himself, the judge and our Savior, who calls all of us to make this stand in the evil day in which we are living in. God doesn't compromise at all. He will not bend. We must return to him, seeing what is truly precious. And what is that? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn from these words to them. That is where a true Christian makes his or her stand, saying, I will not turn one step from what is precious to me. And to everyone who counts God's words and God's ways and God's Son and God's salvation as their most precious possessions, the Lord promises that just as we are with him, he will be with us, as he was with Jeremiah for the rest of his life. I will make you to this people 
a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and delivers you, declares the Lord. How would they prevail over you? If you turn away and give up what is most precious. Amen. Almighty Father in heaven, we thank you for these words that are most precious. Thank you for giving us this account of what Jeremiah went through and what you did with him. Thank you for giving us these words of life and for giving us the greatest things you could give your own son, your own spirit. You've given yourself freely to us. Help us, Lord, to consider and understand what is precious and take hold of the eternal life to which we were called. No matter what the world does, we ask this in our Lord Jesus Christ's name, who gave his life for us in this fallen world in such a time as this. Amen.